Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. It has been a turbulent week this week in our nation. Would you agree? And it seems to me, since I've been now in the D.C. area, that I become more and more aware of what seems to me to be the whirlwind-like nature of politics and government. I'm increasingly on my Facebook timeline getting more and more news posts that seems to absorb all of the attention of those that are friends with me on Facebook about the latest political controversy. And I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. We're family, amen? After a while, you just feel like you just want to unplug. You feel like you just want to get off social media. You feel like you just want to get away from media in general and pour into those relationships that mean the most to you, amen? That's how I've been feeling. And sometimes it's not just what's going on in the world and in the news. Sometimes your own life, day to day, can sometimes feel so overwhelming that you honestly just feel like sometimes I just need to retreat. Just need to pull away. Just get away from it all for just a little bit. You know, for some of us, Getting away and finding that safe haven, that safe place, can sometimes be your house. For some of us, getting away and pulling away can be going to a friend or family member's house. A place with smiles and warm hearts, where people know you, where people know you for who you really are. For some of us, it may be a vacation spot that we like to go to. It can be a weekend retreat. It may even be, wait a minute, church. Where is that place for you where you feel at home? You feel at rest. For Jesus, it was a little town called Bethany. Bethany was a little safe haven from Jesus when he wanted to get away from the bustle of Jerusalem. It's located right there on the right side in the back on the southeast side of the Mount of Olives, just, just two miles away from the, from the political and religious center of Jerusalem. I had the privilege of going there. You stand on the Mount of Olives and you, you look over at the old city of Jerusalem. Many people take pictures there. But just tucked away from Jerusalem is this quiet place called Bethany. Bethany was, was quiet, few homes, maybe 20 homes at most. Bethany had beautiful scenery. If, if you were there and you saw the setting there, you would have seen, you could overlook the Judean desert. But you also had the, um, the, the fresh breezes coming in from the Mediterranean Sea to cool the desert heat. And so it's no wonder when Jesus wanted to get away from all of the, the political controversy and the conniving of the Pharisees that he, he tucked away, even Jesus needed to unplug every now and then. And he goes to Bethany and he finds a family who become not only some of his most devoted followers, but they become some of his closest friends. We know them. They're Lazarus. They're Martha. They're Mary. To understand, 
To understand this family, you need to understand the times in which they were living in and the location in which they were living in. To understand the times that they were living in, you've got to understand that this is a time full of messianic expectation. People were waiting for the coming Messiah, and they believed in the coming of the Messiah. These were Jews, and so they were, they were Sabbath keepers. Are we getting close to our pew now? They were in an area that was not that far from the religious center of their faith. Are we getting a little bit closer to our pew now? And Jesus chooses to abide <laughs> with them. When Jesus wanted to, if you will, kind of let his hair down, he went there. In this house, we know that it is Lazarus' house, but if you read the text in verse 38, the Bible introduces this story by saying that Martha, his sister, who many scholars believe is the older sister of Mary, she invites Jesus and his disciples into her house. That's Luke, by the way, just kind of hint, hint, wink, wink, letting you know that even though it's Lazarus's house, we know from the scriptures, but Martha's the one that's running that house. Martha's the one in, in charge here. And you get the sense as you follow along in the story. I'm going to ask if multimedia can go ahead and put that up. If there's any issue, then don't worry. Martha's the one that's running this house. She's anxious to get preparations ready for Jesus. You see, they, they, they liked Jesus. They were fond of Jesus. They, they welcomed Jesus, like many of us welcomed Jesus into our own lives at some point in the past. So these were people fond of Jesus and, and, and very sincere. They, they were faithful, good, Seventh-day Adventists. They kept the Sabbath. They were waiting for Messiah. But as you see in this story between Mary and Martha, they had two very different ways of relating to Jesus. And these two different ways of relating to Jesus is going to communicate to us, is going to reveal to us today what our greatest need is. This message I've entitled today, One Thing is Needed. One Thing is Needed. But let's dive into the story and see if we can get an understanding of this first sister. In verse 39. Are you there? The Bible says this. And she had a sister, speaking of Martha, and she had a sister called what? Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You see, the potluck preparations were getting ready. Very much like today. Service is finished. And Jesus is now over their house. And Martha's busy in the kitchen. And Jesus is saying, basically, if I'm going to be waiting here for the physical food, I might, as, I might as well just start giving out some spiritual food. And so Jesus sits there with the disciples, and they surround his feet. And as they're surrounding his feet, Mary takes her position as a disciple at the feet of Jesus. Just in case you missed it, in the first century, if you were going to be a disciple of a rabbi, most of those were males. Something different is happening here in the text. Jesus has female disciples. When, when the term in Scripture is used, sitting at someone's feet, Paul or was Saul, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, you were a disciple. Ultimately, through Christ, you would become a disciple that makes other disciples. Mary is sitting in the posture, the position of a disciple of Jesus Christ. But what makes this even more startling to the first century observer is not so much that Jesus had women that were following him. As a matter of fact, we know in Luke chapter 8, in the beginning of the chapter, Mary is among some of the other women that ministered to Jesus, provided out of their substance for Jesus on his travels. It wasn't just that she was a female disciple of Jesus. But it was because of her backstory that is shocking that Jesus has this woman sitting 
at his feet. A little bit of her story in Scripture lets us know in Luke chapter 8 that Mary had seven demons cast out of her. We don't know if those demons were all cast out consecutively or all at one time. But seven demons were cast out of her. She also was described in Luke 7 as a sinful woman. She had a reputation. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. I want to suggest to you that the reason she's sitting at Jesus' feet in our first point this morning is that those who sense their need remain at Jesus' feet. Those who sense their need of Jesus, they remain at Jesus' feet. Now I want to tell you today that I am the worst patient. I'm the worst patient. When I was growing up, I rarely ever got sick. I grew up in South Florida. Anybody grew up in South Florida? Anybody visited South Florida? Anybody would like to visit South Florida? <laughs> I grew up in tropical, sunny, Fort, right on the, out the suburbs of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Went to school in Miami, uh, uh, undergrad, all right, while I was growing up in South Florida. By the way, my favorite season is spring. I love spring. I'm, I'm, I was born in spring. Uh, everything's coming alive, right? All the vegetation is coming out. The sun is coming out. The sun is coming out. <laughs> And it's just beautiful, right? I tend to be a very optimistic person, and so I think maybe that had something to do with when I was born. Everything was just beautiful coming out, right? Um, and so in Florida growing up, I didn't really get sick in the springtime. However, when I moved to Georgia, and when I subsequently came here to Virginia, whenever springtime comes around, I get riddled with allergies. Oh yeah, the runny nose, I'm sneezing, I'm, my eyes are itching, and then I get left with this lingering cough. When I was growing up, and I don't know if anybody has any Caribbean background in here, but when I was growing up and I got sick, which was very rare, maybe once a year, that thing lasted for three days. Three days. I would take something for it. My mom would give me some Jamaican home remedies. I'd take that thing, and I was good. As a matter of fact, my mindset was, that if I'm sick, I'm going to take what I need to take about it. I'm going to pray about it. Amen? But I'm going to act as if I'm well. I wanted to go about doing my regular routine because my thing was, if I did that, at some point I was going to get better. And so I was just going to go about what I normally did until I came here. My wife says, CJ, springtime came around this year. My wife says, CJ, please take your medication. Now, if you want your wife to have a very good Mother's Day, you want to do what your wife suggests, right? She cares about you. All right. But, but I am the worst patient because for me, uh, you know, it's going to go away. After about three days, this thing's going to be gone. I had already had the experience that <laughs> since I've been here after three days, it's not gone. <laughs> the cough has sometimes remained for months. A lingering cough all week this week. I'm, I'm, I'm with Betsy. I'm with Pastor Gary. We're in the office. I'm coughing all over the place. I'm at the school. I'm coughing all over the place. Just blessing people. Showers of blessing. <laughs> right? But it wasn't until my wife came to me and said, CJ, this thing is bad. You may even need to go into the doctor. That I got to a place where I recognized my need. You see, when you recognize your condition, when you recognize your need, you're ready to take the remedy, right? Until you recognize your need, you'll go about as if everything is good when everything is not good. Others may even be able to see the condition is not a good condition. And so you don't sense your need and you just continue to go about life as if, as if there's no crisis going on. Mary was one who had been made whole in the presence of Jesus. And so she recognized her need, and so she stayed at the feet of Jesus. When you follow the story of Mary, I absolutely loved doing, matter of fact, I actually loved studying this week Mary probably a little too much. 
<laughs> because there were some other things I needed to do, but I was just getting so caught up in the story of Mary because I was so identifying with Mary. See, Mary is that, 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 that church girl that, that, that left. She, she's the parallel. This story, by the way, parallels really well with the prodigal son story five chapters later in Luke chapter 15, right? Mary is the prodigal that, that went away. She was raised in church, faithful Seventh-day Adventist, but she moves off to the city of Magdala. And she ends up in a lifestyle, ungodly lifestyle. However, she ended up getting there, we don't know. But she's described as a sinful woman. And so when Jesus meets her, many scholars argue um, who the, who the uh, woman that was caught in the act of adultery was in John chapter 8. But based on some internal evidence and some implications, I am of the opinion that that was Mary who was in Bethany, not far from Jerusalem, where Jesus was when the Pharisees brought her to his feet. A Pharisee that was there in Bethany was Simon. And so, when you follow this storyline of Mary, you discover a few things. One, you discover that she always ends up at the feet of Jesus. Mary is constantly at the feet of Jesus. And three times, when she's at the feet of Jesus, Jesus comes to her defense. The first time we see her in the gospel narrative is in John chapter 8. If you believe that that is the, if, that, if Mary is that woman, then you believe that the Pharisees brought her to the feet of Jesus thinking they were bringing her there for condemnation. And she ended up getting grace. I call it a reverse evangelism. They thought that she was going to be stoned and Jesus comes to her defense and she receives grace. Jesus says, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now. I love it because every time you go to that text, it still says now. For someone that needs some good news this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And sometime after that, we don't know how long, she had some demons that she was wrestling with, and Jesus came and he delivered her from those demons. I don't know if it was one time and then she had to come back another time and he had to come back and another time until seven times and then he finally completely delivered her from these demons. I don't know if he did it all at one time. It would kind of give me some hope if it was more than once because some of us keep struggling over and over again and Jesus persistently just keeps going back and healing us. But at some point, Mary has been made whole at the feet of Jesus. The next time we see her at the feet of Jesus is right here at this potluck. She's at the feet of Jesus in the position of a disciple and Jesus comes to her defense, as we'll see in a moment, with Martha. The next time we see her at the feet of Jesus is when her brother Lazarus has died. The Bible says there in John 11 that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he knew what he was going to do. But, but when he finally comes back to Bethany, by the way, his gravesite is still there to this day, Lazarus. When he comes... Mary, as Martha's finished talking to him, and they bring to Mary the news that Jesus is in the, is Jesus in Bethany. She runs to the feet of Jesus. And then we find her again at the feet of Jesus. Now, when Lazarus has been raised, and, and Simon, who was once a leper, who was also a Pharisee, he invites Jesus into his house, and they throw a feast for Jesus and for Lazarus in honor of the fact that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the, from the dead. Mary, who is so full of gratitude because she has received the grace of God. She begins to worship Jesus in a way that some thought were too costly. She begins to go down at his feet and wipe his feet with her hair and with her tears and with some costly perfume. And some took issue with that. Jesus comes to her defense again. Let her alone, what she has done was for my burial. Oh, but the next time we see Mary at the feet of Jesus is at the cross. The Bible is very clear that Mary and the other women and John, the beloved disciple, were there at the foot of the cross, the only ones 
from the twelve that were there at the foot of the cross. Jesus' mother was there. And Mary was there at the feet of Jesus as he's dying for her sins and ours. She's remaining at the feet of Jesus. The next time we, put, we, we, we see her at the feet of Jesus is now on Sunday morning when Jesus has risen from the grave. And she's weeping to the point where she can't, she, there's so much tears that she can't see very clearly. And she thinks that Jesus, who has been resurrected, is a gardener. Where have you buried my Lord? I may, that I may go and bury him. Because by the way, Lazarus' tomb is empty. If <laughs> she needed to, she would have taken Jesus to the empty tomb that Lazarus made vacant. That's how devoted she was to her Savior. And she says, where have you taken my Lord? And he says, Mary. And she says, oh, Rabbi And in my holy preacher's imagination, as he says to her next, do not cling to me, I have not yet ascended to my Father, I see her running to the feet of Jesus in holy awe and surrender, wanting to cling to him. And he says, I have not yet ascended to my Father. Do not cling to me. In my holy, in my holy imagination, I see her there at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because she understood her need of Jesus. Yes, she was raised in the church. Yes, she was near the, 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 the religious and political center of her faith. But she knew that she needed Jesus not just when he healed her, but every day of her life. Even until the resurrection, she's at the feet of Jesus. Oh, Peter understood what it was like to be at the, the feet of Jesus. Peter, when Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when Jesus does the miracle of giving him the abundance of fish. And Peter sees the miracle because remember, he said, you're the preacher, I'm the fisherman, I know what I'm doing. And Jesus says, cast that net on the other side and all these fish come up. Peter does something very strange. He, he, he falls down, it says, at the knees of Jesus, which is not too far from the feet. He falls down there and he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now let me ask you, did he want Jesus to leave him? No, where did he fall down? At his feet. Oh no, I'm a sinful man. He recognizes in the presence of Jesus his condition. I want to suggest to you, not even suggest, I want to declare to you today that when you come into the presence of Jesus, you have a dual experience. One, you are convicted of your sin. You are convicted of your faults. You recognize in the light of the love and the grace and the beauty of the character of this one, this holy Jesus, that you are a sinner in need of grace. Oh, but don't be discouraged because there's something else that happens when you come to the feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit not only convicts your heart for, for conviction, but he's leading you to grace. Don't try to explain away your condition. Don't try to justify your condition. Don't try to change your theology to make it fit your own desires, which is happening today. Fall down at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of the sin bearer, where you'll find grace. Grace, not just for pardon, but for power. At the foot of Jesus. Because those that sense their need, they remain there. Oh, I want to say this to my Seventh-day Adventist today. Seventh-day Adventism without Jesus is bankrupt. It is dead without Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about in Revelation chapter 3. The church of Laodicea felt they had no need of Jesus. That's what he's talking about there. That's why the invitation comes. Come in and dine with me. To dine with someone in the first century meant more than just have a meal. It meant you identify with them. Their family, you're with them. Your blood. And he's saying, Jesus is on the outside of his corporate church, knocking. He wants his church back. I need your hearts. Invite me in. But they feel they don't have any need of Jesus. You're in the church, but you still need Jesus. You needed him when you accepted him the first time, when you got baptized. 
But you don't come to Jesus once and repent and that's it. Thank you, Jesus. I'll see you at the second coming. I've got this. No, you don't. John 15, 5 and 7 says, you can do nothing without Jesus. All but Philippians uh, 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to remain at the feet of Jesus. You don't come to Jesus and say, oh, that's milk, and then you move on to something else. I don't start with Jesus, and then I move on to doctrines and prophecy and feel like I'm good. You start with Jesus. You stay with Jesus as you grow in your understanding of the Word of God, prophecy, doctrine, and all that. You stay with Him. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Not everybody's happy about this experience that Mary's having. Martha is also there. Oh, Lord have mercy. It says in verse 40, it says in verse 40, the Bible says, but Martha, when you read this, this is how you got to read it. That's an abrupt but. There's a wonderful experience happening before that but. Someone is sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha. Someone has been made whole, but Martha. Someone is coming to Christ, the prodigal has come home, and the celebration has begun. But Martha, not everyone is happy when someone sits at the feet of Jesus. It says, but Martha was distracted. Everyone say distracted. She was distracted. Lord have mercy with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, watch this, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me, Jesus. You see, when you neglect to remain at the feet of Jesus, you become anxiously busy, wanting control, and your condition becomes far from God. Far from God. I know this person because that was me. When I was in undergrad in Florida International University, I was a very busy person for the Lord. From all outside appearances, this guy is promising. This guy loves Jesus. This guy's in the church. He's one of those that stayed. He's running a campus ministry at Florida International University. I was the president of three years, campus admin at Florida International University. He's singing in a group called Touch that was about to become the next, kind of going in the direction of Take Six. He's in the praise team at his church. That's, by the way, how I met my wife. We were singing together. We're still singing together. Lord have mercy. We haven't sung here yet, but it's coming, right, Benita? It's coming. Uh, we, we, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a leader in the youth ministry. Right? Busy. Our, our, our campus ministry started a choir on campus. He's in the choir. He's singing in praise and worship. Right? Friday night Bible study with the youth. But something was desperately wrong with that picture. As a matter of fact, that was a time in my life where I was the biggest hypocrite. Living a double life. Why? Because there was something wrong, family. I was busy. I was serving the Lord. I was doing God's will. But I was overwhelmed. And I was running on E. And I remember one day, I came home. And my mother and my grandmother, who just recently passed, she was 101. The year Ellen White was, uh, the year Ellen White died, my grandmother was born. And she recently passed away. But they were there together. And I came home. And I just broke down crying. I said, there's something wrong. I'm doing all this good stuff. This is what God wants me to do. I'm serving Him. I'm leading people to Christ. I'm, 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 I'm pursuing my degree, although a lot of people were telling me, CJ, this is not the degree. This is not the major that you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in pastoral ministry. And I'm like, no, I'm doing business. That's another story. Right? You would have thought I would have gotten the hint based on everything that I was passionate about. 
He said, CJ, you've got to let some things alone. You're doing too much. And so they were right. And I started to cut back on certain things. But there was still something missing. There was something wrong. The problem, family, was this. I was doing a lot for Jesus, but I wasn't spending time with Jesus. I'm not talking about Sabbath. Believe me, I love the Sabbath school lesson. And there's great devotional books and there's wonderful things about Jesus, right? Oh, but I challenge you to get to know him. To know his character. To spend time in his presence. Not just reading his word. Not just studying his word. But watch this. Meditating on his word. Letting it soak into your experience. Get to know his heart. Know his character. If somebody were to tell you, that Jesus is over there, as we're warned about in Matthew 24. Right? You can go, no, that's not him, because I know him. And I know what he said was going to be the events of his second coming. If someone is acting outside of Jesus, you know that because you know him. you got to know him, the person. Neglecting Jesus' feet, it leaves you anxiously busy. Martha was very busy. She wanted control, and it left her far from God. She was anxiously busy. Let me tell you, someone has recently said that the best place to hide from God is in religion. Because you can look like you know him. We can say happy Sabbath. We can go to Sabbath school. We can carry our quarterly to church, our hymnal to church. Do we do that anymore? Or we can bring our Bible to church. We can quote scripture and other quotations. And we can sound like we know the man. You can be very anxiously busy. She was there trying to get the potluck together. She wanted to serve Jesus. She knew that he came here because it was a safe haven. He wanted to get away from all the noise and the drama that was going on down there in Jerusalem. And she wanted to do something good for him. But it was at the cost, it was at the neglect of sitting at his feet. She had the personality that wanted everything done just right. She wanted all her ducks in a row. Do you recognize that personality? But that leaves her with worry, as Jesus says. It leaves her with anxiety, as Jesus says. He says, you're worried. You're worried and troubled about many things, Martha. Which suggests to me that it wasn't just a situation or a state of mind in that event. But this was the characteristic of Martha. She's troubled and worried and anxious about many things. And when people are in a place of anxiety and worry, it's coming from a place of fear and not faith. And when people are walking in fear, it leads them to start to want control. I don't feel like this thing is in control. I don't know. I, I, I fear the unknown. I, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what this person's going to do. So you start to want to control people and things and your plan, the plans for your life and, and, and outcomes. You want to be in control. That's who Martha was. She was a doer. She was a get it done kind of a person. As a matter of fact, she was probably resenting the fact Though she was a kind of get-it-done-yourself, if nobody else is going to help you, if it's got to be done right, you've got to do it yourself. But all the while resenting the fact that nobody's helping her. Tell her to help me, Jesus. She wants to call the shots. She wants to be in control. Don't you even care, Jesus? God must not care, so I've got to take control. And therefore, we become the gods in our lives. And we tell you, God, this is what you need to do, Jesus. If I was doing the God thing, I would do it a lot better than you. So next week, this is what needs to happen. Next year, this is what needs to happen. You start calling the shots. And Jesus says to her, Martha, when he says her name twice, by the way, Martha, Martha, whenever Jesus says someone's name in scripture twice, it's coming from a deep place of emotion. He's saying, Martha, Martha, pump the brakes. Martha, 
Watch this. And he says this, by the way, after she says, don't you care? Do you remember another time in Scripture, in the Gospels, when someone said, don't you care? The, di the disciples are there in the boat, and things seem out of control, don't they? And, and God is in control, amen? Things seem completely out of control. Jesus is asleep. <laughs> He's at rest. Don't miss that. And they go, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus can't just let that statement go unanswered. Don't you care, God? Don't you see my situation? Don't you know that things are falling apart? I can't control this. He says, yes, I know. That's, that, that's my job. Your responsibility is to depend on me, is to trust me. I like to call it restful working. God is not upset that you have things that you have to do. You've got to take care of your family. You've got to work and you've got to serve and, and all these things. But he's saying, pump the brakes, not at the expense of not sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not at the expense of not sitting daily at the feet of Jesus because what happened to Martha is she ended up far from God. Far from God. The implication, she is now, you can compare her with the older brother of Luke 15. They stayed home. The younger sibling left. They're upset that the, lovers, the, the younger sibling who lived that sinful life has come back. And they have some words for the father. And in both stories, the father, uh, representing God, is left appealing to the older sibling both in Martha's situation and in the older brother's situation. How many older brothers do we have in the house? My hand is up. Right? How many times does God have to say, like that old song from Lionel Harris, I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I need to be with you every day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. If you are too busy to spend time with Jesus, you're too busy. And some things need to change. This is what Jesus is saying when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. If you're seeking the kingdom of God and the mission of God, you must seek the king. All these things that you're worried about there in Matthew chapter 6... Even, what, even down to what you eat and what you wear, all those things are taken care of when the priority is in place, when you're at the feet of Jesus. Here's the, here's the result of neglecting the feet of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, we don't have time to go there right now, Matthew chapter 7, 22 and 23, he looks down to the last days. Are we living in the last days, family? He looks down to the last days and he says that there's a group of people and they cry out. They say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done the social and pathfinders? Have we not been at Sabbath school faithfully? Have we not shared the gospel on the job? Have we not done all these things in your name, Jesus? We definitely are getting an entrance in. And Jesus looks at them and he says, and I want to imagine with tears, in his voice depart from me you who practice lawlessness you workers of iniquity I never knew you it's the same message he gives to the ten virgins the door is shut on the foolish virgins who did not Retained, did not, the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. They weren't seeking the Holy Spirit. The lamp is the Word of God. That Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They had the Word of God. They at one point had the Holy Spirit. They were seeking Him at some point in the, in the past. But they ceased, the foolish versions, from seeking Him daily. They were still waiting on last week's experience to carry them over. Last Sabbath's church service, they weren't sitting at Jesus' feet every day, worshiping him before they came to corporate worship. And Jesus is not being arbitrary. He's not saying, I'm shutting the door because I'm just so mad. Why weren't you sitting at my feet? No, he said, you shut the door on me a long time ago. 
You would not be happy here. I will not force this marriage on you. I'm giving you a choice because love involves choice. One thing is needed. Just one thing. One thing. Some of us, some of us are in a place of worry. We see what's going on in the world. Come on, family, we know what time it is. But Jesus is coming back for a people that are sitting at his feet. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he not find faith on the earth? Which is the opposite of fear. Fear produces anxiety. It produces worry. It produces a mindset that I must have everything in control. I've got this, Jesus. And we stop depending on him. We find ourselves far from him. This message is as much for the preacher as it is for us, family. We're all in this journey together. Are you sitting at the feet of the one who has saved you? Because when Mary was there and she worshipped him with that costly alabaster box of fragrant oil, as she was there, the Bible says, oh, Jesus says that she anointed his feet because she was preparing him for his burial. Mary was the only one that understood that just moments, a week later, he was going to be hanging on the cross, dying for her sin, and she was still going to be there at his feet. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and at some point the reality of the cross hit her. When you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, are you looking for the theme of the cross in your study? Or are you just acquiring information? My favorite text is now becoming, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they, Jesus says, which testify of me, the person. Luke 24, 27, when he was explaining to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things concerning himself. And then in verse 32, their, their response when he disappears is, did not our hearts burn within us? When he opened the scriptures to us on the road, that's the same word for open in the, in the Gospels, opening the eyes of the blind. Why? They, they, they understood their text, their doctrines, the prophecies, in the light, hear me family, of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Are you sitting at his feet? How is your faith this morning? Are you falling in love with him on a daily basis? Are you carving out 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Oh, it's so good. One hour. Those are the ones that he will open the gates wide and he will say, enter the joy of the Lord. Not because you get the joy there, but because you're experiencing the joy right now right now he says he says to Mary he says to Martha he says she has chosen the better thing the better part and it shall not be taken away from her do you know what else he says won't be taken away from you and he's speaking about the same thing he says my joy will not be taken away from you. My peace will not be taken away from you. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. Jesus promises you peace and joy now. The experience in him of eternal life is now. I'm going to do something that we have not typically done here at Vienna. I want to invite anyone who says, CJ, whether you have been far from God, whether you're a prodigal, whether you're a younger, bro a, a, a younger sibling, whether you're the older brother, whether you're Mary or whether you're Martha, you've been in the church, but you have not been sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm inviting you to come here at this altar
and let's just bow down and sit at his feet. Someone's life can start afresh and anew today. And we will help you take the journey on how to sit at his feet. Now, if you just want to bow your heads right now and pray, that's perfectly fine. I encourage you to do so. If you're sitting at his feet, I praise God for you. We rejoice in those that are already experiencing that experience. But if you are someone and you want to sit at the feet, you want to receive the living water, the invitation is here. We will not keep it long. I'm already here. But if you want to join me in saying, CJ, I want to sit at his feet. I don't care if you're in the balcony. I don't care if you're watching online. We invite you to experience the one thing that is needed. Take a bold step for Jesus today. One thing is needed. You may be taking medication, but I want to tell you, that's good. God can work through that, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed. You may be trying to fix that issue with pornography and addiction and television and social media, but one thing is needed. Just one. One thing is needed. One thing. He invites you today. Is there someone? We'll give you another 60 seconds. 60 seconds. That could change the entire course of your life. You may say, I'm already baptized, CJ. That's fine. I was baptized, but I found Jesus in my 20s. I knew all the right information. But I didn't start sitting at his feet until I was in college. Born and raised a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I love my church. But I didn't start sitting at his feet until I was in my 20s. You're not too young or too old to start sitting at his feet. I want to invite those that have come just to join me right here. And family, I'm going to invite you right now, even where you're seating, seated right now, where you're seated right now, bow your heads right now and say, Jesus, right now, I want the one thing that's needed. There is not much more time left on this planet until you make it all new. And I will experience the earth man you when I start to experience a new life in Jesus as a little spiritual babe right now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, just bow your heads and join us here at the front. Let's bow our heads. Oh, they're coming. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we recognize, Lord, that the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here, moving through our pews, calling someone right now it could be a scene of revelation chapter 3 where you're knocking on the door of your church and you're saying i want my church back there's good news for laodicea they become in revelation 18 1 they become the bride that takes the gospel the everlasting gospel all around this globe that's about to happen father but you're saying one thing is needed just one just one thing that's you ah he says come all oh, the story in the Bible it ends in Revelation 22 come the spirit and the bride says come and receive the living water oh is there anybody thirsty today for the living water of Jesus if that's you Jesus here we are Oh, God, we just thank you so much, Lord. Pricking our hearts, maybe convicting us today. But, God, it's for good purposes. It's to bring us your grace. It's to bring us your free, justifying, pardoning grace. It's a gift that transforms us. Those that are staying at your feet will experience entering into the joy of the Lord. Oh, I pray for the commitments of those that have come here oh they responded some young some older 
It doesn't matter, Father. It's never too late to come to the feet of Jesus. Oh, we bless you. Oh, some of us right now are broken today. We're struggling. We're saying, oh, I'm trying to do this thing, CJ. You don't understand. I try to sit at his feet. What if he's saying to you today, stop trying and start trusting? Just trust me, Jesus says. I will water your soul. I will fix it. You will begin to have desires for me that you have never had before. Right now, God, let the angels record these decisions in heaven as we take the journey together to learn how to sit daily at the feet of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the miracle of keeping me from coughing today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to sit at your feet. It starts today. It starts today. You have challenged us with the one thing that's needed. And it's you. It's always been you. It always will be you. And we praise you for what you're about to do as a result of this prayer in the lives of those that are making decisions. But I challenge those right now in the name of Jesus, do not find rest until you find it in Christ. Until you find it in Christ. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you, Jesus. Let everyone say together, Amen. Amen. If you're here, Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.